What's going on, everybody? Today is Wednesday. It is already November 1st, and you are listening and watching the Daily AI Show live. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Wait on the music there. That's all right. Thought I hit the button. Uh, today, we got a couple of us. Um, we got Jimmy, we got Beth, Andy, and I'm Brian. And today is Wednesday, which means that we are here to talk about all the AI news that we thought was interesting. So not all the AI news, but definitely the AI news that each <laughs> one of us thought was sort of interesting over essentially the last seven days. So from the last time we did this last mm -hmm. Wednesday to today, um, these are not necessarily always um, the top AI news, but more or less what we found interesting um, from around the world on the evolution of AI and stuff like that. So I think what probably would make sense is because we were all sort of just talking about it off air is to kick off with probably the, I would, would you, what would we say that the, the AI.gov is the biggest news of the last yeah. couple of days? Do we want to start there? And um, I don't know if anybody wants to. I lost my notes with the <laughs> reboot. So I don't know if anybody wants to take a stab at what that was, what the Biden administration put out, um, what AI.gov is. Um, does anybody want to kind of kick it off from there? Uh, yeah, I can take it from here. Um, so, so a couple of big things in, in the news that dropped yesterday um was two things uh number one the white house and um, they're both related white house released a huge um uh fact sheet and, and executive order essentially surrounding ai and it's pretty exhaustive it covers most everything that people have been talking about uh in the ai world um regarding catching up society and and how we're running um or how we're approaching ai and society so we're talking about things about like ai safety and security we're talking about protecting privacy uh civil rights and equity um covering things like uh patient information health care consumers, stuff like that. And then of course, supporting and protecting workers' rights and, you know, jobs and things like that, but also uh, encouraging um, development and leadership in the AI space, innovation, things like that. And one of the, the key things that they put out at the same time was AI.gov. And mm -hmm. so AI.gov uh, site is essentially focused on helping people gain their uh, gain additional AI skills, offering all kinds of uh, job opportunities, which they call the talent surge, uh, where they're trying to bring in, uh, you know, everyone with some AI knowledge and um, into various positions and things like that. Um, and it's also like a they're all around um, home for AI information and the government. So uh, where they have their advisory information, how AI is used in government, all of those kinds of things. And that's that's all in one spot. So that's, that's essentially broad strokes of uh, what they released in the last couple of days. Yeah, th thanks, Jimmy. The, the, um, the key objectives of uh, of the executive order are around safety uh, and they specifically call out misuse of AI and also loss of control and um, I, I have a comment about you know what the uh, funding behind the executive order is aimed at 
uh, in a minute, but I wanted to say that this is tied to, and the timing of it is related to what is really happening right now as we speak. Like literally Kamala Harris is the designated representative of President Biden on an AI summit hosted in the UK at Bletchley Park, which is where the code breakers for the UK in World War II were. So it's a, it's a you know, a, it's, that's a signal about, you know, just how important this is. And here's who's on the attendee list. Tesla AI, ex-AI CEO Elon Musk, the president of Microsoft, Google DeepMind CEO, Meta's AI chief, AWS's CEO, OpenAI CEO Sam Altman, you've heard the name before, Anthropic CEO, NVIDIA's CEO, IBM's senior vice president in charge of AI, Databricks CEO, Salesforce CEO, Samsung's chief technology officer, and Palantir's CEO, plus Chinese technology representatives from Tencent and Alibaba, which are really large behind AI. That's happening right now. And uh, so now on the same topic, back to AI.gov, what you see is, yeah, there's a like a, if you go there, you'll see it says, improve your AI skills. Well, the way to do that is you got to be a researcher uh, who needs money to be applied. And you'll see a whole bunch of different stipends and, and different programs and grants that are available to people who are already very knowledgeable and skillful about AIs. So it's really, I, I don't see it being about the, the, the US population on that front. It's more about, okay, we have to gather our resources and really organize the United States alongside many other countries now in this UK-based, uh, you know, confab that's happening. Uh, so yeah, safety, security, really top-level issues, and AI.gov and the executive order are really amping up the attention for this worldwide. You know, one of the things I found uh, interesting uh, as I dove into the website a bit was uh, things about the, like the fellowship. And I think you kind of mentioned that Andy and, and there's a job board, which essentially just takes you to um, us, us, a jobs.gov, which is like sort of the, the clearinghouse for, for jobs within the, within the United States. And um, so I was curious, I was like, Oh, these should be AI related. And, and to be fair, they are, there's a lot of coding jobs and stuff like in that, but I had to scroll to the third page of about 75 posted jobs before I found the first and only one that actually has the term artificial intelligence in it. Um, and so I thought, well, let's look at that one. I'm curious. Um, and so it is the artificial intelligence specialist. It's at the CIA. Um, now the salary range on the front page, it only had the starting salary range, which was 65,000. And I thought, well, I don't know. I don't know who you're getting with AI <laughs> specialist for 65,000, but it does say the top of the range is 172. So maybe somewhere in there. Um, but yeah, I don't, I'm not quite sure. It's not a remote job. Um, and then, you know, when it gets into requirements, uh, minimal qualifications, they, they're looking for people with STEM, right? So anal data analytics, economics, engineering, geospatial, and their, you know, mathematics, um, so on and so forth. You need to have, you know, a 3.0 and this and that and the other. But it's just interesting to me more than anything else that uh, it was quite literally at AI.gov. It's quite literally the only job that actually has AI <laughs> in the title. And that's, look, there's a lot of other jobs that are going to, that, that, feed and and will be part of the analyst and things like this and they're on there too so i don't want to i don't make make light too much of it but like 
my my question to you guys is in one year's time what does that number go from it's it's one out of 75 right now in one year's time what is our what's our prediction on how many titles will have ai actually in it what do you guys think mm, I, I i think it'll be a significant increase i do think I do. I, I think you will see a significant in, increase in in the titles with AI in it, but I think what you'll see far more of is them mentioning AI in the job description. You know, yeah, yeah. like and that and that might be what you bring. Yeah. You know, yeah, that kind of thing. So yeah, I, I think that's the salary range too. So uh, as regards the salary range, that you're not going to get anybody of any significant AI skill. At, in that salary range. But what they are doing is they're starting out to build what they're calling the digital service, the US mm -hmm. digital yeah. service. I think that's right. Yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, that's and so that's they're, they're staffing that up with, with the one, but you'll have to pay a million dollars a year <laughs> to somebody who's really going to be the leader of that thing to pull them away from you know, the enormous marketplace for AI talent out there right. that's being right. drawn by every country and by every every facet of the AI world. It, it's just that's the scale of uh, of salaries that are being applied to the people who are really at the leading edge of this. The other yeah, thing about this, some... the right, other I'm thing sorry. about this is um, it is that's like a really fun anecdote, but I don't want to give the impression that the CIA is not already having artificial intelligence staff. Oh, right. Yeah. The DOD has artificial intelligence staff, right? Like there is yeah. a real push for the government to to uh to to I don't know, a unified front is the right word, but like mm. um uh, an overarching um focus and like a unified focus for this but um within certain pockets of the government this stuff is way advanced oh i'm sure so. yeah i, I yeah. think the, no, no, yeah. it's not, it's it's the first job at the cia that's for sure i was the, the only one done? that can say ai publicly on the government website <laughs> <laughs> most of the most advanced work that's done for the intelligence community is done by private companies that are mm -hmm. servicing that. So there's this the Beltway Bandits they're described as. Uh, on that on that front, I, I noticed in the news that a defense AI startup, Shield AI, which makes AI drone pilots. Yeah. Just raised two hundred million dollars at a, a close to three billion dollar valuation. That that increases to a total of two hundred and sixty million. The funding for that defense oriented AI startup. Now you know mm -hmm. that they're not offering that 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 service to any other country at this point. It's going mm -hmm. to be a service to the U.S. military. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen a lot of. Uh, uh, a lot of uh, jobs offerings on on boards come uh, come down the pipe uh, for for that organization. But I think I think what I find most interesting about the the jobs that are offered on AI.gov is this new digital core that they're trying to uh, set up, which is for early uh, early technologists, early career technologists. It's a fellowship program. They're opening it on the sixth, and that's that speaks to 
they have a long-term plan for funneling in people specifically about AI-related work so that that uh, they'll have all of those people that they don't have now, right? Because right. they'll, they'll be able to build them up and get them in early and things like that. Um, so yeah, it might take that million dollars to get that, that, that current leader, you know, pulled over to government work from, from the private sector, but then you'll have this core of digital professionals who are just getting started. They understand that this is, this is a, 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 a major path to go down and having that opportunity right off the bat, I think is, uh, uh, super important to, to that whole infrastructure of AI for, from the government or public sector. And I wouldn't be surprised if this was part of like a larger upgrading the tech of the government. The government is notorious for having uh, older tech. And it would make sense to me that this would be a way of like, hey, let's let's upgrade. Let's get current with uh, with with all the things or many of the things. Um, uh, because we're going to need stuff to run AI. And we all know that there is this gap between what is considered standard outside of the government and what is considered standard in the government. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, I know we could probably talk about this. I mean, we, and we probably will have a future shows about AI.gov and more things coming down the pike for this. Um, but let's pivot and move on since we're about a third of the way through the show as it is and talk about some other, uh, stories. I have a few I have a few just brief ones that I thought were interesting. I read a story um, talking about how um, a research agency, I guess, had used 10 second clips of voices to have like almost 85%. It, it varied between male and female uh, accuracy in, in diagnosing type two diabetes. So in this particular research, it was, it was over in the uh, UK or somewhere else. It wasn't in the States. And they took like, 10 second clips or six sentences, whatever, for every day for six weeks for like 10,000 people. And obviously part of that data set, they knew they knew who already had been diagnosed with diabetes and who hadn't, and they were looking for differences or, or commonalities, I guess it would be, in voices or whatever. And I guess these are not perceptible by human ears, right? So we can't pick up on these, these changes. I don't think it's to say that, oh, you can now listen to somebody and be like, I think you have type two diabetes. I don't think it's like that, but it's picking up on these other cues that maybe we we aren't able to hear. And I just thought it was really, really interesting because, you know, maybe today it's type two diabetes. Maybe tomorrow um, it's it's listening to somebody's voice. And I think I've already read stuff as far as like early onset Alzheimer's and dementia and things like that that are happening or maybe something like a Parkinson's where they're starting to become a tremor in a voice that's not being picked up yet by by a doctor or you couldn't do it in normal routine and so this idea of you know we talk about cloning and all these things with voices but also is it going to end up being that voice ends up being yet another way that ai is able to help in the diagnosis of medical conditions and what does that mean for the future of cancer diagnosis and things like that i know they're already able to do things by looking at you know retinas and voice and i think this is just a really really cool time to be living because who knows how many more early detections we'll have out there based off of tools and, and uh, research like this so just want to bring it up because i just found that to be endlessly fascinating that they had an 85 percent success rate um picking up on these little cues in voice um so i'll, I'll bounce back to you guys but that was one of the ones i had that's yeah I, I think cool. that's fascinating yeah, yeah. i i 
really find it interesting when we see AI outside of what our day-to-day -day sphere is, you know, because we, we use it a lot for efficiencies and things like that, but be able to diagnose or help mm -hmm. diagnose uh, using using what would I would consider non-conventional uh, methods, like just listening to a voice to be able to figure out those kinds of things. Yeah, that uh, uh, that's always super interesting. So yeah, keep keep those kinds of news coming down. Yeah. Kind of tangent. I've got <laughs> a story where um, coming out of MIT, where they've kind of they were testing the hypothesis of um, different methodologies of how the human brain absorbs information or learns things and compares that to, you know, machine learning and things like that. And one of the things that uh, they covered was uh, in machine learning, there's something called self-supervised learning, right? And I think Andy's talked about some form of this uh, before, especially in, in vision and, you know, uh, image recognition and things like that. But what I found important about it was the reason they're doing this is um, towards general artificial intelligence, right? Or general intelligence, I should say, to, um, to align artificial intelligence with natural intelligence. So this is just one more, uh, one more case or one more study that uh, aligns um, brain processing with uh, machine learning. And so I, I thought that was a real interesting bit of news coming out of the uh, MIT. And that was from uh, that was from a couple of days ago. Yeah, nice. I would say that uh, deep neural networks are mm -hmm. patterned after this neuroscience of study of the brain. And, and yeah. that's the huge breakthrough in AI that we're actually being inundated with at this point is deep neural networks mimic the process of this latest understanding uh, not you know the last weeks but last years of how our brain works and 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 the idea behind how our brain's neo neocortex works is that it's a bunch of layers of of synapses that that work as a memory and prediction engine and they have layers and you build those layers through your experience and so on. And that's exactly what neural networks do. And when neural networks were first conceived, you know, most of the people who were in machine learning at the time said, well, that's, that's never going to work. Well, it's worked far beyond expectations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think all of that is, is super, super interesting. And I think we're probably just still at the, the starting point. For it too, I think that the potential for it is is going to blow us away, um, you know, in, in the near future. So it's it's super interesting. Um, uh, what else? What else do you guys got? I got I got a few more I can hit at the end or whatever. But who else has got some big news they want to share? So this is small big news, um, but I thought it was interesting. Um, UAI um has there was a wired article that talked about uai's um focus on publishers and books to create a chatbot around a book um and the article was like why read books when you can chat with them uh i think we probably still want to read books or watch the videos or that kind of stuff but i but i like the idea of engaging with the publishers and creating this larger um way of engaging with media, right? 
uh, I th we all know that like multi-sensory uh, uh, learning is more effective than just listening or just watching. Um, and I think that AI can really help that. And so I found that exciting. Um, they're they're doing a little bit of a push to connect with to um, partner with publishers to uh, to create chatbots for the the new releases. Mm. Well, that's a good maybe segue real quick to what Poe announced. Mm. I'm sorry, it's own um, Poe is um, Poe is Poe was the first place that I ever used Claude months and months ago. Uh, Rachel Woods had had suggested it, but um, it's a sort of a one-stop shop for like chatbots. It's owned by Cora. Um, and they just recently announced the ability to uh, be able to build your own chatbots and then charge for them on their right. site. So they have like a marketplace for chatbots. Um, it was the Neuron or one of them, Ben's Bites, is one of the um, newsletters I was reading about it initially. And they're, they're sort of take on it was mine, which is like, mm, wait and see, you know, is uh, character AI or uh, these types of chatbots that what meta is doing is our chatbots going to be just part of our day to day life? Or is it going to be some some other version of it that maybe we don't have figured out yet? And so mm -hmm. I'm in sort of that camp too of like, I get it, you know, building a chatbot that's like, um, uh, Oh, anyway, anybody, uh, Bill Gates, you know, anybody like Tim Ferriss has that chat by that we were talking about, you know, but I've played with them, but I don't keep them open on my desktop the way I do open AIR Claude. And I'm just wondering where that is, or obviously Poe wants to be that, that place where people go and they can find any chatbot to solve any problem to help them start a business this idea that i can be a business of one but actually be running as a business of 10 because i've got all these brilliant you know i built this cabinet if you will of chatbot experts around me right. so i don't have to be the expert and it's the idea of you know put yourself in a room where with five people who are smarter than you or the don't be the smartest person in the room well okay technically now with chatbots i don't I don't have to be. I can surround myself with all the brilliance of the world in, in natural language form. And so shouldn't I be able to create an amazing business with me and five chatbots? I, I, <laughs> you know? So anyway, I just want to bring that up as an idea. Maybe, maybe I'm just not the guy mm -hmm. for it, but I think it's really cool what Poe is doing. And, and they've been sort of like really pushing um, the envelope a little bit over the last couple of months. I'm excited to see what they keep doing with it. Right. And that's yeah. actually the business model of GPT Boss right, and yeah. GPT Ninja too, I think. Mm -hmm. So if you don't want to make your own, <laughs> like there, are, <laughs> there are people who have built them for you. Yeah, right. Lots of them. Yeah. 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 So those chat bots that are offered that way and the chat bots that we build are really intermediaries between you uh, and the open AI or Claude or Google systems that are the foundation models that are being used by those chatbots. So that intermediary position in terms of the business landscape is a way of popularizing the capabilities of some of those large language models, making them more accessible to people in a very narrow sort of well-defined application. So this chatbot does this, right? Hmm. Well, so it's really chat GPT-4 or some, some right. other major language models that's doing it. But what they've done is mm -hmm. they've built the prompts and the UI in such a way that, you know, you're really channeled down this one specific application. And that's a little easier to grasp 
that, uh, you know, for the typical person on the street, remember very, very few like low single digit percentages of the U.S. population and the global population have ever even tried AI this way in a chatbot yeah. form. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think yeah. tools like ChatSonic, Jasper, uh, I just had a post out today about um, Chat PDF, um, you know, really just wrappers around using an API or whatever. And they do make a prettier interface. But man, you got to look at all those businesses and think like, that's probably not the one I'm going to invest in because, you know, uh, it's it, it very, very quickly. I think they're going to continue to be absorbed by these larger um, companies like OpenAIs and Google because they can just do it or Meta or Apple, whoever's coming down next, Amazon. You know, we haven't even seen what they're putting out yet, but they will. We know that the big players will all be out there. So it'll be interesting to uh, to see. But that was one of the actual uh, stories was about how chat GPT had two updates. I don't actually have access to one of them, whereas no, you no yet. longer have to, like what they're saying is you no longer have to go select Dolly 3 or uh, advanced data analysis or browsing that that will all just be in one uh, chat sure. prompt, right? You could just yeah. ask for all of it. Now, what was cool about that, and um, I think it was Claire Zhu that said it on, um, or who maybe it is, on uh, LinkedIn, she had a video, I think, about it. And what she was saying is like, the idea that you could do research for browsing and then create a infographic directly off the results of your research. Yeah. I thought that was very interesting because I was yeah. trying to wrap my head around like, well, how helpful is this? That was a great use case for how that yeah. might be super helpful because I could think about a thousand different ways in sales that, that would be super cool. So just wanted to bring that up as a news story. There was that and there was also that you could now talk directly to like PDFs and all sorts of files and sort of chat GPT, which let's be honest, advanced data analysis already could do. But people are making a lot of like they're they're making a big buzz about it right now. And it is going to obviously kill some of these wrapper plugins, you know, like your chat right. PDF, because now what? competitive advantage do they have? So that just came out this week as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I was actually really excited with that news as well, uh, particularly because of that use case, but yeah. um, because of what we've been doing in the exchange for the last 30 days is, you know, making those prompts each day. And I'm yeah. I'm like, okay, well, I'm making a prompt that you have to use the Dolly one and you gotta <laughs> use the events data one. Exactly. And you gotta, yeah. you know, yeah. and uh, you know, number one, gotta gotta try them all. But um, yes, I absolutely love the news that where it's like, yes, one interface and I can access all of the features. Thank yeah. you. Cause yeah, that's that is that in and of itself is a huge efficiency for prompt engineering for developing a prompt as well as because you can ac access everything all together mm. uh, as opposed to having to, you know, go back and forth and do various testing and things like that. So, but yeah, I won't go into too much detail. I, I just really enjoyed the efficiency uh, uh, upgrade there. A few years from now, uh, we'll all be reminiscing around the fireplace saying, remember in the old days when we had to pick advanced data analysis or I mean, code interpreter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, true, true, exactly. It has a, uh, it has a value to us though, <laughs> that we had to do that gives us some insight into how the architecture of the OpenAI's model is built, right? Remember mm -hmm. ChatGPT4, what it was, it was told that that was based on eight large language models all ganged together. Well, yeah. uh, you know, now you're going to have 
15 large language models all gang together in order to make access to DALI and ADA and vision and voice. I, I still can't quite get, get to the point where I understand how voice is going to work because voice is kind of a UI uh, you know, layer on top of the language model. So mm -hmm. anyway, uh, it, that'll just be a natural way of interfacing. And of course you can't say, okay, I'm gonna read to you the CSV data. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're gonna right. have to upload a file at some point, right? Right, right. right. Andy, were you the were you the one who said that? Uh, like, there was a conversation that that shifted this for me a little bit, where uploading the file could be part of your few shot or example that that um, because for me, like adding the examples in the prompt is always like visually weird for me, and I'm worried that it's going to be too long. But if you could say examples of the output that I want are in this PDF or in this file. Um, yeah, I think that's that's going to be possible. I haven't experimented with that one specifically. I think I might have made a comment like that in relationship to offering up an image and saying, you know, understand cool. this image and then do this. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. that, yeah. yeah. I'm well, trying to stay I, away from spreadsheets. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, as 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 soon as they, you know, you can figure out a um, a clear and safe way uh, from the open AI side to in provide integrations, then I think that's what and that what what plugins might evolve to is uh, better integration so that it just runs in the background and it's like, all right, and can you add this file from my Chat GPT uh, safe folder? Oh, okay, cool. And then it goes and grabs it and puts it up and that could just be how the app functions on the mobile and it's like oh grab it from here or grab this file and then it'll look for it and then put it up there and that's what's happening locally on the phone to the to the servers but there's a whole bunch of questions that would need to be answered about that to, to before you implemented it but that would be cool for me i i 100%. want as much hands off less typing clicking anything like that I just want to go, hey, chat, can you do this for me and that for me and all this kind of stuff? All right. Awesome. Cool. And what's the output? Perfect. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and in the, the prompting course, on my phone. in the prompting course that Brian and I were course leaders for, people are always like, but wait, if we have this variable, can it just go get it? Right. Do I have to cut and paste from this variable? Yeah. And yeah. like, that's so coming. And if ChatGPT, you can just like, okay, so here's the directory of variables that I'm going to reference. This is my yeah. voice paragraph. This is the mission of my business. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. If you could have multiple uh, different sets of custom instructions, mm -hmm. I think that would be huge. And then, of course, let's do some. Uh, management for all of the prompts history that we have <laughs> search function or high file hierarchy or something yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. little ui things okay yeah i'm sorry i'll i'll just talk forever sorry <laughs> no no, no. I, I think those are all, I, i'm with you on all of that although by the way you probably could if you were good at just building like hotkeys for your computer or your mac or windows yes. or whatever you could technically build that variable library and then just be like control F and it's like, boop, there's that custom instruction or whatever. So you could do that with prompts, but yes, I agree. Like a much easier solution for a, a, a variable library or something like that inside of ChatGPT would be smart on their part to do that. So that'll be interesting. Okay, uh, we're over time, but like there's only four of us. So does everybody, does everybody have one more 
rapid fire news story that they want to share. Uh, I, I have another one I can share super quick while you guys are thinking of it. And that was just super quick that a judge did rule. Uh, I'll just read you the headline. Judge pars, pars down artist AI copyright lawsuit against mid-journey stability AI. So um, a judge in California federal court on Monday trimmed a lawsuit by visual artists who accused Stability AI, Midjourney, and DeviantArt of misusing their copyrighted work in connection with the company's generative artificial intelligence systems. I won't go on beyond that for brevity, but basically this will be an ongoing battle. It's certainly not over, but this was definitely a blow to the people who had started the um, the lawsuit and said, hey, we believe that you know they're using our copyrighted image. And essentially what I read somewhere else was, well, you cannot get you can literally not get it to reproduce a exact replica of the art. And therein lies some of the problems I'm, I'm paraphrasing there, but uh, that was a really interesting uh, news article. Okay. What do you guys got? So uh, open AI's dev conference is coming up on the sixth. And I don't know that we have enough like historic data to know if they've leaked the stuff and that's what they're going to announce this, this like multimodal, you don't have to choose between Ada and Dolly three and that kind of stuff. Um, or whether that's just the teaser and more stuff is going to be announced. I am hoping it's the latter. Um, but, uh, I don't feel like I have a sense of like what their, what their, uh, pattern is. Um, also Apple just had a conference and people were wishing and, uh, no, it did not <laughs> happen. No. There was <laughs> no like, <laughs> and I think Robert owns Carl a dinner now or something because yes. of that, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so we'll have to get the wrap. We'll have to get the feedback on that when, uh, when Carl's back. I know Robert's out for a bit, but when Carl's back, we'll, we'll ask him about that. Yeah. So. They're still, uh, Andy, what do you got? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, really quick, a uh, small story, but, uh, could be interesting down the line. Um, Google commits 2 billion USD investment in, uh, Anthropic. Yeah. Um, so is this a case of you can't do it so buy it <laughs> i mean but or or is this a hey we need more competition out there and they think anthropic is really good it's going to be good enough to stop uh open ai long enough for them to get their stuff going because wouldn't this be a um a direct competition to their Gemini product, right? That's supposed know. to be coming down. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they're just hedging their bets and $2 billion is a is a tech hedge bet nowadays. Uh, but so- That comes on the heels it, of $4 billion from Amazon. Right. That's right. Well, Amazon yeah. makes sense because they, they, they have their products, but they aren't, they weren't in it, right? Yeah. They, right. they weren't saying, oh, we're gonna release this and that and then all this kind of stuff. Um, but there've always been an infrastructure type of AWS has always been an infrastructure type thing. So I, I, to me, 4 billion investment from Amazon makes perfect sense. 2 billion from Google, which seems to compete against themselves, that that's questionable to me. That's what I got. Yeah. All right. I've got one uh, hyper local bit of news. Uh, this is, uh, you know, uh, 
co-host of the Daily AI show, Andy Halliday, a, a commentator on AI issues, has just been informed by his wife that my daughter's water broke. And so I have to go. Hey, congratulations. Breaking news. Breaking news. All right. He's out well, let's wrap this up. He's got to go. <laughs> I got to go. Congratulations, Grandpa. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, congrats. Good. Well, then that's a perfect time to uh, wrap this right. up on that high note. Uh, super excited for the holiday family. And uh, that will wrap it up for this AI and also hyperlocal AI Andy news uh, for yep. Wednesday. And we will uh, see you guys again tomorrow on Friday for more fun on the Daily AI Show Live. That's it. We'll see you. Bye. Hope everybody had a good Bye. Halloween. Happy Wednesday.